For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. In the fall of 1949, 76 beavers were dropped via parachute into Idaho's Frank Church Wilderness Area. Well, back in 49, that rugged chunk of Idaho wasn't called the Frank Church just yet, but it did have a real beaver scarcity problem. Beavers do a great job transforming the landscapes by damming streams. The water flow is forced to slow down where it can seep into the ground and recharge the water table. Sediments from the water filter out in the still water above the dam. Then the filtered water below is much cleaner, allowing fish eggs to breathe in gravel beds and insects to hatch, due in large part to the fashion trend of beaver hats and accessories in the European markets America's beavers took a serious hit from unregulated trapping. Beavers were well on the rebound by 1949, but many of our rocky, rugged, and remote valleys were still beaver poor. With servicemen and women coming home from World War II, a nationwide increase in leisure time from wholesale industrialization saw many folks headed for the woods and streams, fishing pole and rifle in hand. A renewed emphasis on conservation was being seen across the country. A major theme during this time, and arguably now, was stocking trout. Get trout, particularly rainbows, started in a hatchery, dump them in milk containers, tie the containers to a mule, then up the mountain to be dumped into the next lake they go. Success with the mule and milk jug was minimal for the effort involved, Fortunately, the United States had a surplus of both aircraft and pilots at this time. Add in some courageous biologist types, and pretty soon, bomber pilots were dropping payloads of rainbows into alpine lakes instead of, uh, I mean, you get it. 
taking into consideration the success of the airborne rainbows, the question was, how do you get a beaver to safely land from 300 feet? Well, how do you get anything right? Practice. One beaver in particular, named Geronimo, got so used to repeated drops that upon seeing biologists on landing, he would turn around and re-enter his landing crate, seemingly ready for the next flight. Once the practice runs were deemed a success, the big mission in the fall of 1949 was carried out. 76 beavers got their wings over one of the most remote wilderness areas in the lower 48, with only one known casualty. For Geronimo's efforts in the perfection of the beaver drop, he was rewarded with a very pretty drop zone in Idaho's Chamberlain Basin and three presumably single ladies' company. This fall of 2019 will be 70 years since the great beaver drop over Idaho's wilderness, and now there are beavers aplenty and much healthier habitat in the Chamberlain Basin. If you want a bit more on that story, head to TheMeatEater.com and check out the article by Spencer Newharth. This week, we've got bugs, frogs, and salmon futures, plus so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. My week, I cooked up some flathead catfish obtained from a hand-grabbing expedition to Tennessee. Flathead meat is, I hate to say it, very much like chicken, or rather like chicken probably was before we turned that bird bland. Think of a more flavorful halibut. Anyway, it's damn good stuff. I even refrained from frying it. I blacken the outside of what amounts to a roast-sized piece of cat, then let it cook in the Traeger pellet grill. I crisped up some uh, fresh lemon thyme and parsley from the garden in the oil, and man, that was some real, real good fish. Uh, I'm going to take a quick turn here before we get down to the show. I need to tell you that hunting season is rapidly approaching. I know many of you are getting near panic mode in regards to your preseason prep. I have been getting a ton of questions, which I am struggling to answer. So I'm going to do everyone a favor. Do you one better, as they say? Remy Warren has started a podcast called Cutting the Distance. This podcast is designed to get these questions answered and get you prepped and ready for the great outdoors. Remy Warren's Cutting the Distance will be available anywhere podcasts are downloadable or streamable, so get on it. The first episode just dropped, and you can look forward to stories, strategy, and gear do's and gear do-nots every Thursday. Remy is possibly the most hunting son of a buck there is out there, so, you know, you're welcome. Now, let's get into the real conservation topics by starting with a recent story that has really started to irk me. I consume a heck of a lot of conservation-type stories, one of which really caught my eye, and eventually everyone else's, it seems. The story of a man named Garcia, who, to boil it down, is a very irresponsible pet owner, and uh, he happens to be a fishing guide in the state of Colorado. One day, just a week or two ago, while out guiding a walk and wade type of fishing trip, which is a type of guided fishing that I just have never understood, you pay to walk along with a guide who points to where the fish are at. We don't need to get into that, as the only point of bringing up that type of trip is to tell you these folks were on dry land and not in a boat. Anyway, this guy's presumably unwatched dog found a deer fawn and killed it. Deer and elk routinely leave their naturally camouflaged fawns in areas with good vegetation for cover as Ma goes elsewhere to feed. The dog does what untrained or unwatched dogs do 
and bites, beats up the fawn to death. Garcia then, for whatever reason, skinned the deer fawn, made a comment about his dog getting his first, quote, big game kill. Then, to lump one more unfortunate act on top of many others, posted this dog-deer encounter on Instagram. This was not a story I thought newsworthy initially, but after the peanut gallery crawled out to comment, the story picked up steam. Unfortunately, this scenario fell into some sort of hunting-related category, with one news outlet relating the bad pet owner's ill-behaved dog killing a deer to the hunting and sometimes poaching of lions, leopards, and rhinoceroses in Africa. We actually got into this on Ben O'Brien's podcast, The Hunting Collective, as well. So check that out if you want more on this subject. So, what do these things have in common? What does hunting and poaching of game in Africa have in common with irresponsible pet ownership in the U.S. and in the state of Colorado? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Not one single thing. This fellow needs to spend more time training his dog than he does on social media, which makes him probably like the majority of pet owners we all know. Garcia was fined for illegal possession of wildlife, harassing wildlife, and illegal taking of wildlife. Our pets, as I have reported many times on Cal's Week in Review, do serious damage to wildlife. It happens all the time. Uncontrolled dogs chase wildlife, causing unnecessary stress. Sometimes this stress alone is enough to make them die or abort their young while still in the womb. Other times, like in Garcia's case, dogs actually catch, maim, or kill wildlife. Outside cats kill billions of songbirds, mammals, and reptiles every year in the U.S. Folks also let pets go. Just this year, we've talked about alligators, Asian water monitors, pythons, and green iguanas. These animals, when left to thrive, can out-eat and out-compete the native competition. Perhaps, instead of just reading the stats, what I should have said, as I will now, is control your damned pets. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it, and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition. 
of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Moving on. Got a lot to cover. If you don't fancy yourself a meat eater, you're in luck as bagged salad may have that extra protein boost you need. Recently, a scientific review published a consumer report regarding some surprising salad extras, like frogs, toads, lizards, snakes, and in one instance, in Florida, a bat from Brazil. The stowaway animals that prefer salad are 53% amphibian, 23% reptile, 18% mammal, and the rest avian, as in, you may have birds in your salad. This data was collected by referencing digital news sources, taking note of the type of produce, the packaging of the produce, the type of animal, and whether the animal was, quote, partial or whole, which is fun to think about. Imagine if you reported to some news outlet that you found a part of a snake in your salad. Then you get a phone call from the scientist wanting you to describe the part of the animal you found in your salad. Uh, I'd say the belly, if I had to guess. Obviously, we as people love our convenience, and with the climbing popularity of bag salads, that means an increase in mechanized harvesting and overall production. This is not new, however. In fact, our own Stephen Rinella has a story about greens packing a little extra, well, green. Steve, along with his brothers, used to earn a few extra bucks by cleaning out a green bean processing facility back in West Michigan. Trucks would pull in with green beans, the beans would be offloaded with a vacuum, then they would be washed, cut, sized, and sorted through a series of machines, which I suppose you would call washers, cutters, and sorters, then across a final vibrating sorting table and into the can. Every night from midnight to 3 a.m. during picking season, the Ranella boys would go pressure wash all the machinery in the facility, and let's just say what they were really cleaning out would make you jump. For those of you who don't know, that was a bullfrog croaking, obviously. We messed that bullfrog sound up with a mislabeled sound effect on a previous episode, and I've been waiting patiently to write that wrong. Play it again, Phil. This isn't like Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Nobody's been poisoned, just some fun facts about wildlife and the price of convenient salad fixins. If you're concerned about this study, however, you can always take drastic action by eating seasonal greens and hand wash your salad like they did way back in the caveman days. Anyway, you know what else you might find in bagged salad? I'm kidding. We're moving on to the health and beauty department. The newest skincare craze is called slugging. 
No, I'm not talking about starting a bar fight in order to increase blood flow to your face. A small but growing trend in fancy spas and skincare lines has patrons lining up to put snail mucus on their face. This cult cosmetic treatment started in South Korea in the 2000s, but has since spread around the globe. According to Dr. Joshua Zeichner, Director of Cosmetics and Clinical Research at Mount Sinai Hospital's Department of Dermatology, snail slime has been shown to have antioxidant properties, as well as the ability to stimulate collagen production and enhance wound healing. It is also rich in hyaluronic acid, which is a humectant ingredient that pulls in hydration to the outer skin layer. Of course, this is just another example of a modern industry repackaging knowledge that's been around for centuries and selling it at a premium cost. Hippocrates, a Greek physician sometimes called the father of Western medicine, advocated for the healing properties of land snails more than 2,000 years ago. And the French have been using crushed up snails as a treatment for ailing skin since at least the 18th century. One result from this beauty craze has been a rise in organic and humane snail farms. One plastic surgeon in Manhattan who offers a $375, quote, escarglow treatment assures customers that our snails extract is gathered from a specialized snail farm in Spain. No snails are harmed during this process. In fact, the snails are meticulously cared for and receive daily showers with fresh water and a feast of fresh fruits and vegetables. Not trying to undercut anyone's business model, but for half that price, I'll gladly pluck the snails from my micro garden and let them run free all over your face. You're welcome. In other news, if there was a city due for a plague of locusts, it would probably be Las Vegas. Last week, swarms of pallid-winged grasshoppers descended on Sin City. Attracted by the lights and basically blanketing the landscapes in many places, clouds of the insects grew so thick and large they were picked up by weather radar like an oncoming storm. The sheer density of insects made driving conditions difficult and dangerous and basically annoyed the crap out of the city's human residents. Large groups of grasshoppers showing up in Vegas this time of year isn't new but Vegas residents are saying this year is especially thick. Here's a fun fact. The name locust, like you'd see in the Bible, does not refer to any specific species of insect. It can be used to describe dozens of short-horned grasshopper species worldwide within the family Acrididae that have a swarming phase. Most of the time, these species mind their own business and behave like grasshoppers normally do. But when certain conditions are met, typically a period of drought followed by unusually wet weather and the following rapid vegetation growth, just like Nevada had this spring, these hoppers will start breeding like crazy, eventually forming swarms that travel together in clouds. The variety of hoppers currently plaguing Vegas don't bite and aren't causing much damage to the decorative hedges and landscaping of the Strip, but in some places of the world, their cousins can destroy entire fields of crops overnight, like in the book of Exodus. I guess this story is just another story of what happened in Vegas and didn't really stay in Vegas. Now, on to our Alaska desk. On Tuesday, July 30th, the Environmental Protection Agency announced that it is doing away with an Obama-era protection that had stalled the Pebble Mine. 
the highly controversial open-pit copper and gold project proposed near the headwaters of the two major river drainages that feed Bristol Bay and nourish its multi-billion dollar salmon fishery. In 2014, after a three-year review of the mine's potential impacts requested by six Bristol Bay Area tribes, the Obama administration's EPA proposed tight restrictions on the project under Section 404C of the Clean Water Act, which provides veto authority over dredge and fill excavations that would have a deleterious impact on water quality and aquatic life. Former EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt declined to do away with the 404C veto, but his successor, Andrew Wheeler, chose to kill it under pressure from new Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy, as well as the Pebble Partnership. That Clean Water Act decision was one of the last major hurdles for the backers of this mine, who have been pushing the project for nearly two decades, and now enters state permitting, which will take a few years. A broad coalition of Pebble opponents decried this move, saying it sweeps under the rug the rigorous scientific evidence that strongly suggested this mine could be devastating to both the Kivachak and Nishigak drainages. These two rivers collectively produce more sockeye salmon than anywhere on Earth. Sockeye salmon form the backbone of the ecosystem and valuable recreational, commercial, and tribal fishing economy, as well as some 14,000 jobs. The American Fly Fishing Trade Association has declared August 24th as the day for Bristol Bay. In a show of solidarity, many fly shops, manufacturers, lodges, and guides have pledged to donate up to 10% of their earnings that same day to the Bristol Bay Defense Fund. If you've ever ordered sockeye salmon at a restaurant or dreamed of skating mice to 30-inch rainbow trout in the creeks around Lake Iliamna, please consider adding your support. You can, of course, just donate any time to help with the tireless lobbying efforts being undertaken in both Juneau and Washington, D.C., but you should also consider calling or emailing your congressional representatives to let them know the importance of conserving one of the last great salmon fisheries on the planet. I am not asking you to be anti-mining. We all consume a hell of a lot of goods from the ground. I am just asking you to consider the value of what we have in hand right now. Thanks for listening to Cal's Week in Review. Tell your friends how much your love life and general knowledge has increased by consequence of listening. Go to wherever podcasts can be streamed or downloaded and leave me a review by hitting that furthest right-hand star. As always, let me know how I'm doing by writing into A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com. I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems 
Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. 